Hello and welcome to the podcast version of Let's Kill Twitter, the show that aims to detox your timeline with the art of conversation. Let's Kill Twitter is recorded live and on Zoom and this week's guest was comedian Meryl O'Rourke. As well as her stand-up, Meryl is also known for her writing work on television programmes such as Frankie Boyle's New World Order. The selection of tweets that we covered for this show included ones on racism, specifically the Lionel Shriver article in The Spectator, Tim Martin of Weatherspoons, and condoms as sold in an 1870s shop. We hope you enjoy the show. Please follow us at LKTZoom. Good evening and welcome. It's Sunday night, it's eight o'clock, and you're watching Let's Kill Twitter, the show that aims to detox your timeline with the art of conversation. Sometimes I wish I'd come up with a shorter tagline, but it's too late now. As you know, I don't do this alone. My special guest this evening is comedian Meryl O'Rourke. I'll be introducing Meryl properly in just a mere moment. First of all, some admin, which you know I like to do for my own benefit. Uh, we're available on Facebook Live, YouTube and Twitch. Also, you can uh, watch the stream after the show is finished, preferably on YouTube, where you can also uh, subscribe to the channel where all our previous shows are and all previous clips too. Speaking of which, please, please do follow us at LKT Zoom, our lovely Twitter account, which is obviously so crucial to the show. Uh, when we're live, you can comment to, uh, at us, you can send tweet your favourite tweets, ask us questions, uh, whatever you like to do. And obviously the rest of the time, that's where we'll be retweeting clips, uh, news about future shows, and hopefully some sort of banging tweets of the week. Although admittedly, I've been a bit lax this week. It's been really nice weather and, you know, human nature has dipped in places. So I'll make it up to you next week, don't worry. But luckily our guest has uh, chosen some fantastic tweets. Uh, Meryl is an accomplished stand-up and gag writer and has written for the BAFTA-nominated New World Order and Frank Boyle's Tour of Scotland. And as well as receiving a clutch of five stars re reviews for her own stand-up work, she's also won the Betty and Peter Sitcom Award. And she was nominated for Sony Award for her work shouting at people on breakfast radio please welcome Meryl O'Rourke hello <laughs> I, <laughs> I managed to do that last the, I don't know where to look because that's my camera but you're actually there so I apologize in advance if I do that through and then of course there's the, there's the uh glasses getting those ring light it's all choreography somebody needs to get a invent a job which is zoom choreographer yeah, totally. I mean, why not? I mean, we've, had, we've got everything else. Well, this week we're having it's a bit of variety. So my box is on top of your box, so to speak, rather than side by side. Yeah. And, and I think I think it looks aesthetically more pleasing. I don't know. Well, maybe we'll have a Twitter poll, but it does like give a bit more space. Looks intellectual, like university challenge. Well, I mean, we're, we're double glasses tonight as well, aren't we? Yeah. We've been talking about you've been talking about your very focal. Well, I know I should have. Um, hello, Martin, a regular viewer of the show. Hello, Martin. Zoomographer. Um, yeah, um, I have got very vocals, and um, it's a very cheap way. Uh, I'd say it's a cheap way of getting drunk. They're not that cheap, are they? But um, yeah, they're, I they're I get all right. The pound shop, but mine are just straightforward reading glasses. I can actually see. I can actually see stuff, but they t I mean, I've had them two days. They do take a bit of getting used to. Uh, you actually have to play, play. You have to pay close attention to what you're reading, which is probably no bad thing. 
depends. How are you anyway? Have you, I mean, I'm all is... right. I'm very hot and sweaty. And also I'm a bit worried um, because it's hot and sweaty, I've got the back door open, but we have a pop concert going on uh, nearby. So I was actually very distracted when you started because there was somebody singing a song from Pretty Woman and I was trying to remember the artist uh, and I still can't. It was the one that goes, I have fallen for you. I am so happy. I've... That one. I can't remember who it was. <laughs> Right, but, maybe uh, Martin could possibly help us out. He's very good. <laughs> <about that. laughs> um, yeah, it's pretty cool that you've got a live concert going on very near you. We can't hear it. So, uh, yeah, so if it, it might come in and out, depending on the wind, because it's quite close. Um, I think Nile Rogers was just on, even though he wasn't billed, but, but Nile Rogers just, he, he gets everywhere, Nile Rogers. Me and my children went to help out of Grenfell Tower after the tragedy, and Nile Rogers was there. I mean, he wow. literally okay. is everywhere. I so, just uh, realised that actually, if we hear any of that concert, we could probably be done for copyright. <laughs> oh, well, do let me know. We can. And we can. Door, oh, we totally get very can. sweaty. I mean, I don't know. I mean, actually, I'm not even sure how much of the song you're allowed to sing, but there you go. Whatever. You're fine. You're fine. It's less than 30 seconds. Fine. Um, so how are you? How is the, I don't, I don't even know what to call it, the new normal or whatever we call it now. Um, what do we call it now? It's, it's, it's okay for us. I am, I'm gigging quite a lot, um, more than I expected, actually. I've been very lucky. Um, it's quite odd, though, because I'm back gigging, I forget that a lot of people are still in lockdown mentality. So I've been doing my usual things of, of texting people going, oh, I'm coming to Manchester, can I sleep on your sofa? And they've been like, no, you can't come in our house. <laughs> so that's been weird. Like the first night I was away, I took my own pillow with me. Um, but also it's quite a difficult adjustment after a year and a half being at home, well nearly a year and a half being at home with the children um because uh i found out i missed them which was a bit of a revelation oh so we God. have actually just come back from a working holiday I, I went to i had a gig in wales and a gig in plymouth so we spent the week in um wales and cornwall you see after this was going so well you've just frozen i don't know oh, what's no! going on. <laughs> Uh, if you turn your God. You and i've frozen in a really horrible face as well oh you can see that right okay. yes i can <laughs> normally I've got janet street porter so what do you want me to do uh, if you stop video on. and start video that will work i think um what normally i won't accept it no no hang on I can try shouting at the children that sometimes works that's weird because not only was it good in rehearsal guys i'm telling you it's seriously it there's a wonderful workaround that I can do oh. which is to switch screens oh, I tell you I don't know what to do about this Hello. <laughs> hi hang on oh okay panic on this it's, it's murder on the dance floor here hang on I've normally been able to solve what we need is any technical any technical people watching please Hello. please let me know but what I need to oh, let you yeah. The whole computer went off then. Right, I'm going to see if it's the children. Okay, what I need to let everybody know whilst they're still watching is that uh, I've consulted Zoom about this and taken all their advice. And I have also consulted Sky about my broid, broid band, my broid band, because I live in the West Country. I've also consulted Sky about my broadband. So I have to say it's a little bit of a mystery. And if anyone is, uh, wants to venture forth with some possible explanations, that would be super. Uh, because we have done uh, all that we possibly can technically here, I feel. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm just uh, obviously going to fill in. Well, uh, uh, Meryl probably is going to stop start. Um, so, well, let's have hello, Martin, by the way. Uh, good evening. Sorry about 
right. That's all right. Don't apologise. I still the don't children know. Children aren't on the internet. I still don't know if it's my fault. What's happened? I am moving in my webcam screen. It, it's like it's live chaos, everyone. Hang on. I do apologise. Usually, it means well, one of the children is playing a computer game without asking permission. Ah, okay. Hmm. Shall I leave leave Zoom and come back in? I guess that's what we'll best will best do. It's very smart. Usually, I'm freezes with uh, these. If you do yeah. stop and it the, was fun uh, when yeah. we were trying. This is so annoying. <laughs> yeah, I'm just gonna, you know, I'm gonna just riff obviously uh, while we're doing this. So uh, yeah, okay. Um, shall I get out and push? Thank you, Martin. Oh, <laughs> if only, if only answers on a postcard. Uh, just to let you know, Sid Singh will be with us next week. I might as well do a little trail for what's happening next week, uh, and I will obviously uh, make sure that he's the most up to date version of Zoom, just in case that anything to do with it um you can you get this on a podcast as well so uh minus all this uh, momentary chaos you know you'll get a uh, a version of it of which uh viewing can't spoil as it were um but please yeah please do obviously go and uh, watch previous episodes and all the rest of it i can give that a little bit of a plug while we're here um and as ever please do tweet us as i mean this now is the perfect time to tweet abuse it as really if you i mean i shouldn't encourage that but uh you can really lambast me for my for my sort of technical uh what they call deficiencies here um very very strange uh what else can we what can i what else can i say i've only booked one week in advance so i can't bang on too much uh, too much about future guests um i have i chosen any fantastic tweets this week as i say i've been a little bit lax um, as the quality of the weather increases and the quality of the humanity decreases, but let's go past. Let's go past Merrill's tweet here. And oh my goodness, right? Yeah, okay. Uh, Chuck Thomas, uh, who is a TV and digital guy at Talk Radio, has tweeted: "It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas because he has spotted a Christmas tree flavor salted hand cooked chips, which, you know, it's." wrong on every level really isn't it uh, uh that's what else do i pick out paul cornish just saw a photo of two of the coolest men on the planet eating like a couple of peaches on a school trip to Langrog. i have to say if i pronounce that right i'm well chuffed with myself uh obviously paul mccartney and um david barry there christmas tree flavor yeah martin you're just a little bit slow on yeah christmas tree flavor what do you make of that I mean, pine fresh, pine fresh breath, I guess, is like a big advantage with that one, really. Um, but also, I would imagine that, you know, you'll be finding those crisps in various places uh, for months after Christmas in true pine needle fashion. <laughs> what else did I pick up on this week? Oh, Nick Doody. Hello, Nick. Um, oh, brilliant tweet. Oh, brilliant tweet here. Oh, hang on. I think Mel retweeted this one. And she's back with us. Oh, I say that. I'll leave the Nick Doody tweet up for, for your delectation. <laughs> this is a this is a uh, a lovely game. I oh, hang on. I was going to say that's a lovely game. That's called Blank Square. Hello, hello, hello. Uh, no, you're still on. You're on mute. You're on chaos. Hang on, after unmute. Yeah, yeah, you know, you know. It said Hello. I have 
Hello, I'm sorry, oh. it said I have no internet. I don't know why it said that. That's weird. It just decided yeah. not to give me any internet. Well, I really enjoyed improvising, so we don't, <laughs> need, we don't need to now, Meryl, thanks. No, I'm kidding. I'm, I'm really worried about, I'm going to have to try and keep really straight face now so that I don't end up with any hideous, hideous uh, frozen pictures. I just, yeah, I know, I know, that's a shocker. Goodness me. Right, let's get back on track. Let's get back on track. Uh, I was just going through a couple of tweets that I'd selected from this week, including one on Christmas tree flavoured crisps. Mm, nice. Christmas tree flavoured? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's just wrong on various levels, really. Who's been tasting Christmas trees? Look, 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 here we go. Just to prove it. Where are you? Where are you? Where are you? Where are you? It's a little detour where you're. It's going to be worth it. Here it okay. is. Uh, luxury i mean they look like okay yeah they really there's a thing it's a thing meryl pine i guess yeah pine I, fresh yeah that's not a, that's a scent okay weird <laughs> i bet right. they're gonna be really nice i bet it's like did you have the brussels sprout crisps last year no I, i'm aware they were they amazing were. like it's it, i think it's gonna be one of those things where everyone's going oh my god this is just a stupid idea and then you taste and go oh my god this is the best thing i've ever eaten in my life <sighs> well okay all right I don't know. Brussels sprout crisps were. They were like, you know, um, Chinese fried seaweed, which isn't really seaweed, it's cabbage. Sorry if I've broken anybody's illusions. But it was like that. It was deep fried cabbage, basically. Mm, still not convinced. So, listen, apart from not being invited to stay with anyone, uh, how things are feeling back to normal for you? Yeah. Well, my daughter's yeah. back to school tomorrow. I mean, uh, well, no, she's yeah. going in for a test. Uh, not not an academic test, an up the nose test, um, oh, yeah. and then they're all just being thrown into school with no mitigation whatsoever. So yes. that's quite. I mean, we we've had COVID. My daughter hasn't had COVID, but we had it relatively mildly, touch wood. But yeah, it does all seem a bit nuts. But of oh, course, today yeah. um, Boris did some backpedaling and started saying, "I I I think I think we should vaccinate the children. Why aren't we vaccinating the children?" I go well, it's you. He's pretending it wasn't him that decided that. Well, scientists I say that we shouldn't vaccinate the children, so I say we should vaccinate the scientists you asked to say that. Oh, dear. but uh, gigging wise, how's it been as well? Do you feel that, you know, that's, I mean, there's still a couple of gigs that get cancelled occasionally, aren't there? But um, I've not had any gigs cancelled for COVID uh, so far. Um, I'm having one thing with gigging in that I don't like being hugged. I've never liked being hugged. No. I, I, I'm very oversensitive. So when people touch me, it's very sort of overstimulating. Um, and now people think I don't like being hugged because of COVID. So when I kind of do that, they start going, oh, my God, Meryl, it's airborne. Oh, my God, you're, that, you're not even vaxxed. And you're like, no, I just don't want people to. So it's, it's, it's like both. Argue, first of all, I have the argument about, oh, my God, are you really paranoid about COVID? And then I have to have the argument with people like, going, why don't you like being hugged? What's wrong with you? Uh, which I find bizarre as well. Like if I say I don't like tomatoes on my sandwich, people don't give me tomatoes on my sandwich. They don't give me a lecture about how there's something mentally wrong with me. Um, <laughs> This is but making yeah. me feel better because actually today I uh, when I went to see some friends today, I was uh, one of them sort of gave me a handshake and uh, I was like really extremely uncomfortable with it because I haven't shaken anyone's hand for quite a while. And actually, it's it kind of has killed the handshake for me because I was just sort of thinking, yeah, yeah I'm just going to have to wash those germs off now. Sorry. No. Yeah, I used to quite like a handshake and I can't even imagine it now. I, do, I don't mind that whole elbow bump or. Um, yeah, I like. Yeah. Or, so like I don't that. even like the fist bump because that's somebody's fingers. Yeah, I guess so. I've never done that foot touch thing. Uh, I like waving. I've always, because I don't like being hugged, I've always just done that. Hi. 
So tell me, look, tell me a bit about your life online, Meryl. So uh, we've done, we've done uh, what's going on in the real world. Um, well, you don't have to tell me everything. <laughs> uh, no, tell me, well, uh, you know, are it's you... Lockdown, it's because I mean, um, this show started just to sort of um, top and tail. This show started as a kind of, I mean, calling it Let's Kill Twitter, but in many ways, mm. it's a tribute to some of the things that are good about Twitter. But quite honestly, you know, we have to deal with the, the turdy stuff most of the time as well. And, yeah, and I've resisted you know, coming on the show for a while, mainly because I love Twitter. So I actually didn't like that. I was thinking, what will I be expected to say if I'm expected to criticise Twitter? Because Twitter is my place. It's my home. It's the first time in my life I've ever, I've ever felt like I'm completely myself and liked for being myself. Um, and it, so I do spend way too much time on Twitter, um, Facebook a little bit. Twitter, I think, also it appeals to the blokey side of my nature. I've always felt that Twitter is masculine and Facebook is feminine. So it's like <laughs> oh, okay. Facebook is kind of here's an entire paragraph about my cat with some photos, whereas Twitter is political things, stupid thing. Do you remember this thing about the eighties, right? Yeah. And, and and I think that's quite a sort of pub way of talking. But well, saying that though, I, I, I've I've got this theory. I think that um, in real life. People find me a bit too sober and loud and intense. So I'm annoying in a pub. Like I don't get drunk. I sit there, sit there wanting to have conversations about things that go on slightly too long. And on Twitter, that's okay. It's okay to be sober on Twitter because people can't really tell. And, um, and I guess I am too intense on Twitter. I'm learning to keep my tweet threads down a bit more than I used to. Mm. Uh, but at the same time, it's, it's OK to be opinionated on Twitter. It's what's expected of you and you're part of a big melange. So, so yeah, it's, it's the first time in my life I, I felt able to be completely myself, um, which is over opinionated, think slightly too much of myself, uh, silly, <laughs> rude. I think that's great. I think it's nice to have it's actually nice to have a eulogy for Twitter, because, you know, in all honesty, I think most of the guests that we have on feel that Twitter is a, a necessary evil uh, most of the time and no one's really uh, there are some people that, that, that make good use of it and do have fun with it but I mean quite often it is you know people will say well listen if I wasn't if I wasn't a comedian or I wasn't trying to sort of uh, promote something you know I wouldn't be on social media. Um, I've with Facebook I think more Twitter for me, I mean, I follow almost 3000 people and that's quite conscious. I did go through, um, I, I got emotionally abused by somebody on Twitter. Uh, it sounds ever so childish, but I got into this very incestuous little circle of friends who all talked about each other without naming each other. Mm. Um, and, and you ended up following these lot, all these threads and trying to work out who, and afterwards I was like, okay, I'm just going to follow so many people that I can't get involved. Um, and I find that by having this really diverse timeline of, of stupidness and facts, and then even just things like, you know, you follow some local orchard or something and they post a photo of an apple a day or something, is that you can you can scroll past the trauma if it's starting to get to you mm, too much and, and go on to something else. I agree, actually. I mean, I do think in a, in a nutshell, uh, we're on the same page with that. I did go, I've gone through a period in the last few weeks where... Um, some arguments I mean there are always going to be some arguments that are sort of circular but there have been some very sort of um, ego personality driven sort of uh, uh, arguments that are just sort of going round and round and round and I'm thinking oh gosh I suddenly I suddenly felt that you know it was closing in on me so perhaps following a few more people is going to help sort of yeah. rush that out actually 
Well, we yeah. were talking that there's there's a local issue, which uh, thing is, if anybody follows me, they'll know I talk about it sometimes, which I've had to stop talking about online because I've had some quite realistic threats mm. in the real world. And actually, I found when I stopped talking about it online and started doing things like emailing local councillors or emailing local police, I was actually getting far more done mm, rather yeah, than just having the same circular argument with people I barely knew over and over again and finding, you know, an hour's gone by and I'm talking to complete strangers and getting really upset. And that's actually not doing anything practical. So sometimes it's quite a good idea, I think, to step back a bit and go well who is this person i'm actually talking to and am i actually making a difference because one of the problems with twitter mm. is it does make us all feel like we can make a difference that one tweet i'm gonna send is gonna be the tweet i mean i'm terrible like that i've got a huge <laughs> ego and i'm terrible at going you know what i'm oh, gonna say about this this subject is gonna be the thing that saves somebody's life and uh, and sometimes you need to step back and, and not just be a keyboard warrior and actually going, well, well, hang on, do the people who can change this thing in the real world, do they actually know what I think? Well, it's really, so I, I do think that everyone's out there thinking that the tweets are a bit like algorithms and if they can just crack the wording of one of them, they're suddenly going to kind of make this huge, massive difference. And obviously, if you put this is the tweet uh, at the top of it, then you know that it isn't going to be the tweet. Um, but there's somewhere out there, there is this kind of... Um, there is this probably, you know, sort of killer tweet. It slightly reminds me of Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, the woman in the cafe in Rickmansworth who just realises the answer to life, universe and everything when the Vogons destroy the planet. Yeah. And it's like somewhere, somewhere there is actually, the woman from the cafe in Rickmansworth has actually spoken. <laughs> it's on there somewhere. Spoken. It's just, it's just, we've just ignored And we all her. missed it. She's and only got five it. followers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's because there were Vogons on Love Island probably, but yeah. Um, Facebook, I think, has become a little bit more toxic than it has. That, uh, meanwhile, don't you think? Everything is down to who you follow. So uh, on Twitter, I follow all kinds of different people. And Facebook, I mainly use for work. So there it's comedians and family. And so what I get into with Facebook is seeing people I work with and having arguments with them is actually quite hurtful and upsetting. So I try to step out of them. Um, and I think, I suppose the big difference is on Twitter, you can choose not to have the algorithm. So I have mine set on latest tweets, which means I really will get the absolute random throwing up of whatever is going on with the random people I follow. Whereas Facebook, they choose. And, and sometimes it's quite sinister what they choose. I mean, there have been things, um, I never really talk about Brexit. Um, I have friends who are very passionate on both sides of the debate. Um, neither of which I want to hurt. So I step back a little bit from it. And yet on my algorithm will choose to show me a lot of Brexit stuff, despite the fact I don't talk about it on Facebook. So I find things like that quite sinister because mm. if the algorithm is based on what I do and what I want to do, then that that's come from somewhere else. Now, given what you just said about what Twitter can deliver in terms of the pub, pub life, if you like, uh, does that mean you're, you're not an Insta fan? I know I can't get my head around Insta no. and I think it's because when it got popular I was so horribly addicted to Twitter yeah. I thought I cannot and I was told at the time that Insta was more addictive and I thought I cannot go on here now I want to like so I, I'm really good friends with Frankie Boyle and I work with him a lot and he's on Insta but not on Twitter and he hates Twitter and he loves Insta and at the moment I'm trying to get him to promote my show because I'm, do, I'm doing my solo show Vanilla uh, which I'm doing at Two North Down on the uh, 20th and uh, no not the 20th Brighton 
the Caroline on the 20th, to North Down on the 17th of September. And he can't retweet it because he's not on Twitter. So he screenshots it and put it on Instagram, but that means nobody can click on it. So I, I, that's I, literally I, the biggest issue for me not being on Instagram at the moment is Frankie can't throw me at his followers <laughs> in the way that I would well, like I, him to. I do find the fact that you can't sort of retweet anything as it were on Instagram. I find that really weird. No. I, yeah. yeah, the one day I spent on Insta, I was like, what, what is this? What is this? And also, I'm a wordy person, not a visual person. Mm. So, like, when lockdown came in and we were all meant to convert to content, I was like, am I not allowed to just write tweets anymore? Like, do I have to record all of them? Because why can't we still have words just because it's lockdown? <laughs> I was really confused. Wow, words are so post-pandemic, uh, aren't they? Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh well, I think we, I think we feel quite similar about Insta as well. Although we're like, I'm not on it as a person, but I have got various. I mean, we've got an account for this on Insta, um, and there's a, a comedy night I've started, which you know, it's amazing how many people will follow something like that. But it's not I, me as an entity. I know people who I know somebody whose wife's her kitchen has got an Instagram account because they're having the kitchen done, so she takes photographs of the kitchen. Oh goodness. No. Um, but also there's, I mean, I, I found this in lockdown as well, is that my ability to do visual content, um, my face without makeup does not get seen by the general public. Because, uh, <laughs> it, 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 oh, you know, do you want to, it's not brave not to wear, I think it's brave for me not to wear makeup. I, 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 am, uh, I look like a decomposing dog without makeup. So uh, if I'm not wearing makeup, I don't take pictures. I don't take pictures of my children. I try not to take pictures of where I live, which is one of the reasons that the local issue has, has, has cropped up a, a bit uncomfortably. So I actually don't have a lot of times where I go, oh, this, this is a visual thing that I want to show everybody. Yeah, no, no, totally. That's fair enough. Well, I, I just feel a bit, I think the whole taking photos of your meal um, thing just kind of just made me think, oh, no. See, I like that. But Do that's you? because oh, I have breakfasts that I'm very proud of. So. Yeah. yeah, OK. All right. Well, I mean, what what breakfast, what kind of, you mean sort of fancy, fancy granola? Yeah, like, or you know, I'll do a poached egg with some asparagus and I'll be like really proud of myself. So I want to show somebody. <laughs> Everyone's got their levels, haven't they? Everyone's got their levels. <laughs> uh, let's have a look. Right. So let's chill. Well, one of the things yes, that I, I mentioned. Oh, no. Well, yeah, I know. Well, so far, so good. Uh, this is good. But you chose one, it. an older tweet of yours, didn't you? Which Go up. You've gone past it. No, I have, haven't I? I've only had two. Which two one? Potato or Tim? Uh, well, actually. I'm doing it like I'm scrolling it. Uh, hang on, hang on. Oh, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Which one's potato? No, 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 you were going the right way. What's the other one? No, That's it, that way. I'm trying Come to scroll on. you. There we go, Tim's, pass it, there we go. It's there. small, it's small. Is that a potato? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. Right, so if you, um, if you read the tweet and then just uh, venture forth. I don't know, I've never read them out loud. And if I could do it in my voice, I've just realised as I put my black pepper and rosemary oil in my bath, followed by salt, that my beauty regimen is basically roast potato. This follows neatly on from uh, Instagram. I love, I love a segue, unintended or otherwise. Um, yeah, but if I'd taken a photograph of that, it would have looked like nothing. No, it looked just like, some yeah. bath oil and some salt in my dirty bath. That's the other thing as well. I think people on Insta are cleaner than I am. <laughs> so, so you've got a bath oil that was obviously black pepper and rosemary. Black pepper and rosemary, and yeah. It's meant thought... to be good for your muscles. And yeah. I put salt in my bath as well because it's very good for your skin and various women's things. Um, 
and I don't use rubber, I, I always use oils and salt. <laughs> and, and then I realized, I think it's because I smelt it. I was like, I, this is a, I'm a roast, I'm roasting my own potato body. I, I don't know how to do, it was just literally a thought I had. I mean, obviously, if you're going to throw all those ingredients in there, then you, why wouldn't you come up with something like that? that is, uh, I'm just sort of thinking what else you could, um, I mean, it's like, you know, five spice. I don't know what that does. I'm trying to think what others I've got. Uh, I think rosemary is the only, no, we've got thyme. We've got thyme oil as well. I, I, I have a lot of different oils. Today's bath was sandalwood and cinnamon. So I do often smell like something from the kitchen. Uh, Today's bath. I, that sounds yeah. like a feature. I mean, that's, <laughs> that's clearly content. The thing is, I, I, I think I have a family who largely ignore me and I don't have a wide circle of friends. So I, I quite, I'm quite proud of things like I have really pure detoxy baths with only natural oils and stuff. And I do often quite want to tell people. So today's bath would be the kind of thing that I would do. But yeah, I just thought it was vaguely ridiculous. And, and I like the thing about me is I like jokes that are vaguely ridiculous. And yet when I perform, people don't tend to like those jokes from me. I talk very confessionally on stage. I talk a lot about sex and relationships. And whenever I've tried to throw in something a bit left field, everyone just looks at me like, no. Nah. So um, I love, this is one of my favorite tweets I've ever put. And you see, it, it only got 42 retweets, which is, is very good actually, but not, not as much as I thought it would. Um, yeah, we now it's not bad. I mean, uh, it yeah, good. it's not bad at all, actually. Yeah, we uh, actually we did get we had some success with. Uh, what did we? Oh, I should have. I'll, I'll pick it out later. But we had a success with some uh, with a right said Fred tweet, so that was nice to see. Um, anyway, so what the the other tweet sort of blast from the past is um, there he is. Well, this was one I retweeted this week because you were asking about my favourite tweet of my own. So it says June there, but I read because Tim Martin came up. And it's quite funny now in that so many comics have got a Tim Martin looks like someone joke. We actually ended up having a thread about copyright. Like there needs to be a list. So somebody's used the term uh, gammon thundercat. And I said, oh, that's Nick Pettigrew's. And Nick Pettigrew said, no, I said homeless thundercat. And then somebody else said gammon thundercat. And then I've written some of them down. Uh, there's uh, somebody did one about him looking like Boris Johnson after he's looked down a cannon but nobody knows who that is. And then Sarah Dempster's one is that he looks like what you would find if you hoovered, hoovered up Norfolk. Um, and I, I can't remember how I came up with this, but this thing where it says, now I can't stop thinking about it, which is a very Twitter or Insta thing to say, mm -hmm. but this came about because I literally could not stop thinking about it. I had a television writing day that day and I was uh, doing a lot of jokes about what Tim Martin looked like and when you do those jokes I end up kind of staring at somebody and it was his stripy top and his stripy top made me think that's the kind of top a children's television presenter would wear mm. and once I'd found this photo of, of Rod, Jane and Freddie I literally I was trying to work and I kept laughing myself I mean it's, it's like that that now I can't stop thinking about it is a real Twitter cliche but it was genuinely I posted this about an hour after I first found the photo because I could not stop being tickled by it you know that's good because obviously you've committed there you haven't been put off by the fact that the stripes are a little bit wider because obviously that's like Burton's to me or it's a bit like well, if yeah if you click on it and you can actually see the proper yeah. triad of Rod, Jane and Freddie it does work oh, better nice. 
yeah, it's a trouble we can't see them together, but but being able to see all three of them together, it absolutely is. It absolutely is a, like someone's gone in, in one of those machines from the fly. Um, what is, um, what's Martin saying? I'm, he doesn't like the looks like I'm jokes. not a big fan of it, but, but this thread's pulled together so many people. Yeah, I think this should be an account. Surely yeah. there should be an account devoted to this. I, I, I seem to be good at them because it's one of the things, so when I'm writing a New World Order, uh, I am one of the main, this person looks like this, writers. Uh, so. <laughs> this is like Zoomographer. Like... <laughs> I know, it does seem to be something I'm quite good at, saying what people are like. It's interesting because that um, shirt that uh, uh, Tim Martin's work, I'm just about to call him Tim Westwood then, it's about the right age though, isn't it? <laughs> um, it, it looks like it's green, um, pink and blue, which I know it's quite a lot of rugby tops with those sort of pink and blue check squares that are very sort of, very kind of, I don't know, of the time, very yard. Uh, it's relatively close to the Dulwich Hamlet colours, except they wouldn't have the white as well. So I'm, I'm quite confident he's not a fan of Dulwich Hamlet uh, football team, which is one of our locals. Yes, no, uh, I've read, read but It was about just, them. you know, when you're writing jokes about football, especially somebody like Tim Martin, where everybody has a Tim Martin looks like joke, <laughs> you yeah. have to find something new. You know, I literally spent the whole of it was two days ago, I think, trying to trying to do Boris Johnson looks like jokes, which I've now been doing since he was mayor. So I'm really running out of I'm running out of white gelatinous things. Basically, I, I have to look around whatever room I'm in for anything large and white. There are a number of jokes likening him to my daughter's dressing gown in the last submission I put in. Niche. Yeah. Oh, goodness. Well, were Jane and Freddie their own entity, but didn't they spin off from a particular show? I can't remember. Rainbow. Oh, thank you, Rainbow. They were things yeah. in the middle of Rainbow. And it wasn't Freddie originally, but I can't remember who the original person was. It was Matthew Corbett for a bit. Oh, wow. So Rod and Jane were married and they were with somebody else. Probably some geeky person on Twitter will be able to tell us. I mean, I have to, Matthew yeah. Corbett. Um, and then Freddie came in. And then, as you would expect, like, this is almost like a rumour about, but Rod and Jane were married. And then Jane started seeing Freddie. Oh, no. And now Rod and Freddie are married. Not Rod and Freddie, Jane and Freddie. That would have been <laughs> a better upshot. That would have been a fantastic. So I'm very millennial is, as well. Is Rod the blonde gentleman? Rod is blonde. So, so they Rod, are in their order. So it's Rod, like, like Anton Deck. You know, Anton Deck always stand in order. Yeah, of course. Yeah, of course. Rod, Jane, and Freddie. Brand, branding before we called it branding. Um, yeah. It's in Israel, they have to be the other way around. In, in Israel, that's been the other yeah. one. Yeah, and in, in whichever uh, Asian country where they write that way, oh, they have to stand yes, on each yes, other's heads. But doesn't Rod look actually look like a young um, Tim Martin? Yeah. A bit hence, as well. Hence the joke. But if oh, you no, look, I there's, was... there's oh, Freddie's yeah, yeah. chin, so you've got you've got a basis yes, of Rod. Right. So what we've got yeah. what we've got here, we've got a basis of Rod. Yeah. And you move Freddie's chin into it, and also Freddie's kind of surprise, slightly plastic surgery-esque eyebrows. Yeah. And then we get Jane's, Jane, the thinness of Jane's face, because you see all of Tim Martin's features are very much in the middle of his wide face. And also the, the hair is a combination of the three of them, really, isn't it? Yes, that was a, that was a very, I've just had two cheese sandwiches today, question to ask, but you can't put Rod... <laughs> Yeah, you couldn't really isolate Rod, otherwise no one... Pop Rod yeah, in no the corner, one... baby. Yeah, exactly. You but can't... he was the original, he is the OG. A bit like a young Jason Donovan as well, sort of, ish. I don't know. No. Mate, 
Because we saw the young Jason Donovan. He was famous when he was young and he didn't look like that. In fact, he was famous when he was younger than Rod is there. So Julian, you're just talking rubbish. Yeah, I'm talking I am I am I am talking a bit rubbish actually. Jane Jane looks slightly like a young Jason Donovan. (laughs) More so, yeah. It's true. There's there's an ABBA quality there. We're just one short of a full ABBA, really, weren't they? Uh, so yeah. where should we go now? Because we've obviously got some sad tweets yeah. as well, and it's always hard to kind of re- register that. But obviously there was a, you know, the news today about Sarah Harding. Um, yeah, so I felt we couldn't we couldn't talk about Twist today uh, without talking about Sarah Harding. Um, and so I chose, you know, I looked on my timeline of who was talking about it, and I chose Claire, who um, I follow because she is a nurse with the breast cancer charity Copperfield, and. And I think there were two two reactions that most of the people on my timeline had, which was absolute shock mm. and upset. I mean, you said she knew, you, you knew she was ill. I didn't know she was ill. Um, but I think even if you did know she was ill, she was 39, um, which is yeah. so young. Yeah. Absolute shock. And she was so vivacious, which I know sounds stupid, because, like, it wouldn't be any less sad if she'd been quiet. Um so there was that shock. And then after that, a lot of people, my reaction was to ask people to check their boobs. A lot of, there was a lot of retweeting of people saying, please check your boobs. And I think that's driven by uh, my mum had breast cancer. And I don't think I was, well, actually I was checking my boobs when I was 39, simply because I was still breastfeeding when I was 39. So my hands were always in them. Um, but a lot of younger women wouldn't be checking their boobs. A lot of people don't really know how to check the boobs properly either. Um, and this is quite interesting as well, is that Copper Feel have, a, have one that's customizable because checking big boobs and checking small boobs is actually quite different. Um, checking boobs that already have things like moles or inverted nipples, which can be signs of cancer, is different. Um, I went to have uh, a mammogram recently and the nurse said something very pithy, which, which I've not heard anybody else say, is that it's so difficult diagnosing anything in a breast because there's no such thing as a typical breast. Mm. So she said, if there's something wrong with your leg, we know what a leg is meant to look like, so we can put it back to looking like a leg, but everybody's breasts are completely different. And of course, men can get breast cancer as well. So the Copperfield uh, website is also customizable for men. Oh, okay, because I didn't realize that, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so one, I mean, one thing I didn't realize when I was, I was taught how to feel my boobs because I was, I was really scared of mammograms for ages and, and you're meant to start off up here, which a lot of people like that's breast tissue, which I don't think a lot of people realize when you have a mammogram, the reason it's uncomfortable, I thought it was uncomfortable because it's squeezed there, uh, but no, that it's uncomfortable because they actually try and scrape all this bit into it as well. Uh, so, you know, I've never had anybody pat me there and I've gone, oh, get off my boobs. But but yeah, and you're meant to have a particular hand shape. Like I was taught to do it like that. So I was told um, you've got to pretend you're the queen waving at your boobs. Right. Yeah. Because if you do it like that, which is your instinct. Sorry to be doing this, like, but, you know, educational. <laughs> and also yeah, I am 50 and and I don't get to squeeze my boobs in public very often anymore. <laughs> So if anybody's being aroused by this, that's absolutely fine. Um, but yeah, so the instinct is to feel like that. But of course, that's got gaps. So you're meant to sort of feel like this and in, and in different positions as well. Um, I know when my mum got breast cancer, uh, a lot of it is spread into her armpit. So you're meant to feel in there as well. So there was that and, and just just help. I think 
you know, it's hard to tell because I'm an older woman. I think younger women now are actually more comfortable with their bodies. And as much as I don't like the sexualization of young women now, which is what my show Vanilla is about, there's also great benefits to it in the young women now do not feel shy about touching themselves in the way perhaps that we did mm. you know we might have thought it was a bit rude to make friends with our boobs in bed at night even in private um and also i mean i love claire's photo claire is a breast cancer survivor herself and when my mum had breast cancer and i think even you know 15 years ago when i started breastfeeding um it, you were thought to have kind of there were serious boobs and fun boobs and you weren't meant to have both. <laughs> so once I started breastfeeding, I was no longer allowed to regard my boobs as sexual. And once my mum had breast cancer, she was no longer supposed to regard herself as sexual, which she really felt very strongly. That was the part that she missed the most. She missed being sexually attractive um, when she had her breast removed. And, and in the old days, you, I would get a lecture for saying something like that about your your breasts are just there for your babies; they're not there to be attractive. And I think now there's a far more of a concept of they 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 are multitasking things. Mm. You know, the reason that that people who find breasts attractive find them attractive is because it shows that their prospective mate is able to feed their baby. So it is all linked together. So um, yeah, it's incredibly sad about Sarah Harding. And really shocking because breast cancer has such a high survival rate now. But yeah, no, being the context of how, how we are. I mean, it's interesting. I didn't realise um, that there was a particular sort of cupping. And I wonder how many people know that, that I have yeah. to sort of check with that. I mean, I'm sure once you get used to the specifics of it, it's very easy to sort of do it and, you know, be comfortable. I find it, it easy because I have small ones. So I can literally, I can dig about and, like the first time I ever thought I found a lump and went to the doctor, it was actually my rib. I can, I, I can feel my rib through my boobs. Um, whereas my daughter, who is enormous, um, I won't be able to teach her how to feel hers because she can't feel her ribs through hers because hers are quite, quite a distance away from her ribs. So that's why Copperfield specifically, yeah. you know, a lot of websites do, but they have this one which where you put in your breast size and, and your gender. And, and, and so my daughter will find it harder than I do. I, I don't officially check my boobs, but because they're quite small, I can get around them very quickly in a couple of minutes. Whereas yeah. somebody with bigger boobs might need to navigate it slightly more. And is it something that you can sort of do looking at something online or does, is it best to sort of go you know who will do it face to face if you like um you meant to do it in the mirror mm. at home um but when i was very scared of having mammograms uh because i just i just couldn't get my head over the fact that they were going to squish it and everything uh my doctor did a proper check and she was the one that taught me about the hand and going all the way around and lying on your back you meant to do it lying on your back you meant to do it up you meant to do it with your arms up as well um yeah so uh I, i'm no expert on it i was just taught how to do it by my doctor uh, because i was squeamish about mammograms which and i finally had a mammogram a few months ago and it wasn't painful and it it was clear which was a surprise because i've heard the first mammograms are often not clear um and it is very sad and i don't know i mean one of the things as well about saying to people check your boobs it almost felt awful because it almost felt like you were implying that sarah harding didn't and i'm sure she did but a lot of women of her age won't be checking them very often and i know that it was quite advanced when the doctors found it 
and um, as scared as I've ever been checking, because it's quite scary to check in case you find something. I always tell myself that at one point my mum found something and they operated and she was clear. You know, my mum, my mum's not with us anymore, but she didn't die of breast cancer. Yeah. Um, so the quicker, yeah. the earlier you find something, the quicker you find it, the more they can do. And there is a much higher survival rate. Um, and this is just terribly sad as well, because Sarah Harding was so vivacious. You know, yeah. a lot of people have said she was their favourite, which does sound a bit mean. But there was something about Girls Aloud where the others were so uh, sculpted. And she never seemed sculpted. She never seemed like she'd been given an image or a script. She always seemed very her. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, they were, well, you know, like you say, everyone had favourite and they were, they were a fun group. And, um, you know, I read a piece that I knew that she wasn't that well, but it's still a shock, as you say, total, total shock. Let's just highlight um, the Copperfield account as well. Uh, for people, so it's Copperfield people um, there as well. Yeah. And if you see, like when you went through to there, see even their picture is an image of a man with, with big muscles. Um, so yeah, men can get breast cancer as well. And of course, non-binary people, trans people. So there you go. So you've also picked, um, so we've also picked a couple of tweets on, whoa, hang on, uh, on, <laughs> on race. Now, um, well, there were slightly different stories. Slightly different stories. That's why. Yeah, that's why. Well, no, they were completely different stories, actually. Mm. I just I just merged them together when I did my tweet. Uh, yeah, so this story about the spectator, uh, okay. and of course, uh, where we've retweeted Nazir, you can't see that it's a, a, an article written by Lionel Shriver. Mm. Um, so first, Nazir, I love following Nazir. He, right, I'm going to get his biog wrong now. What he's best, right, there we go, former chief prosecutor. <laughs> he's a chief prosecutor. He is uh, of Muslim background. He was the person who prosecuted the Rotherham, Rotherham grooming gang okay. um, and lots of other people as well. He, he prosecuted a few of the U tree people. He's very passionate about women and girls' safety uh, and also about immigration. Uh, he's passionate about women and girls' safety in a way that is almost... Like, I find it sweet and it, it's, it's odd that I have a perception that somebody who's passionate about women's and girls' safety would be soft and gentle. Um, but there's something very sweet about him that he always falls on that side of, of, of any argument about, um, about violence against women, that there's never any whataboutery with him. One thing that's quite useful with Nazir, which he probably hates me for, he doesn't follow me back, um, which I'm very, it's very unusual that I would con uh, continue to follow someone who doesn't follow me back. I'm a huge <laughs> egoist. Um, that whenever I get into a row with somebody racist, especially about something like Tommy, Rother Tommy Robinson, yeah. they go, oh, he just wanted to save little kiddies and all that. You go, I refer you to Nazir Afzal. When they say this, like, oh, all these Muslims are going to gang together, they're not going to prosecute anybody. I refer you to Nazir Afzal. He knows about it. Mm. He was there. He did it. So mm. I do refer all of my idiots to him, which he probably hates. But one thing I noticed looking through my tweets for you is I like, I got this thing that I started to develop when I was, when I was writing stuff for you called um, Horse's Mouth Twitter. I like to follow people on Twitter who were there mm. and who know. Mm. So when people are talking about Tommy Robinson, I like to see what Nazir is talking about because he was involved in the live, in the uh, contempt of court case where Tommy Robinson was purposely, according to Nazir, contempting court to get the Rotherham rape uh, gang out 
of their sentence so they could start and that it was agreed between them according to Nazir. Um, I will always go to him if people are talking nonsense about Muslim crime. Um, he also talks a lot on how prevent has and hasn't worked. So he's very good for horse's mouth Twitter. He's very good for, you know, okay, let's see what Nazir is saying. That is the take. I don't need to read what thousands of people who just like, well, this is my idea. He knows. Yeah, no, sure. Um, I mean, it's good to, you know, it's good to follow the experts. Yeah. Yeah, I try to do that. Um, yes, this article written by Lionel Shriver, and it always makes me jump when I see these statistics. More than a third of UK births now involve at least one foreign-born parent. In parts of London, 80% of births are foreign-born mothers. Now, I was born to a foreign-born mother, okay? Mm. I am not the type of person she is talking about. And what's quite interesting when you read the article is she flips between saying foreign born mother and ethnic minority quite a lot. Mm. Despite the fact that I am what that looks like. 50% of my households were born to foreign born mothers. I was saying to my husband, like just normal, you know, everyday London bloke and blokeess like me and him. <laughs> That's who she's talking about, you know? I feel like when they do this stuff that we should just appear behind them and do, yeah, like me, you know? Um, my mother was a refugee. People find it very surprising because I seem so English, but that's the trouble. You see, you let them into the country, they start having English children. <laughs> you can't find them anymore. Yeah, nice. um, you know, and that's a joke I've been telling on stage a lot, but yet that's kind of what this article's about, this weird fear that somehow once we're here, we won't integrate and we will change the country from Lionel Schreiber, who's American. Well, I mean, her, she made some comment about would you want the, isn't that the title of the article? Would you want the title is, and then she doesn't address that at all no. in the whole of the article. So she says, oh, you know, you wouldn't, she says that, but then mm. she doesn't address that again in the whole of the article. And the mm. article is constantly talking about ethnic minorities. And a lot of it is about people coming from Afghanistan. Now, I know mm. as uh, my mother was a Jewish refugee. And when I talked to people, and one interesting thing about being white, but not with a traditional white background, is people talk to you as if you're mm. not part of an immigrant. Um, and they'll say to me things like, oh, but that was different. In that was different. And I go, why? You go, well, we had to, we had to get them out. We had a duty. And yet with Afghanistan, like in Germany, the British didn't cause it. With Afghanistan, we caused this situation. We have more of a duty. Um, and when people say, you know, I heard a guy in a cafe going, oh, they're coming over on boats now. And you're going, we are an island nation. They've always come over on boats. How did you think the Vikings got here by helicopter, right? Yeah. This is nothing new. These, these headlines, they're nothing new. And like Nazir says, half the cabinet have foreign born mothers. But what they mean is all oh, brown people that don't speak English. Well, and, and yeah. I mean, and, and also this weird concept that that will somehow change the country for the worse. So my son, for instance, I, I'm, I'm Jewish, Irish, I have pale skin and my parents taught me to speak like this because they both had accents which lost them jobs. My husband is Turkish, but he has blue eyes. So my son is pale with blue eyes with an accent like this. And I am inadvertently raising a middle class white man. And I don't know how we did that. He is the most, we call him the Colonel. He is the most middle, he's nine years old. And yet he talks like this <laughs> and he's ever so indignant all the time. And I always feel like, you know, do I really understand this boy's culture properly? Like what, should I be taking him to sofa warehouses in Croydon at the weekend so he could really get into his culture? Um, yeah. Have it's, you talked it's about him really in your stand-up? Yeah, I talk yeah, about yeah, that, yeah. about, um, 
I say uh, I've had to learn how to do his hair like a middle class white man. So we're developing a bald patch. And I've told the school that three times a day he has to face east and give somebody his unsolicited opinion. Um, so yeah, I talk about that. I talk about me being the daughter of a refugee a lot. I did a whole solo show about it because it's a huge part of, it's weird because I know I am white. I'm not saying I'm not white, but my mum always felt like an outsider. Mm. And I've grown up in Brixton among people who aren't white. So my daughter says, she told a boy at school that she was Jewish, Irish and Turkish. And they said, oh, you're spicy white, which apparently is a term which I yeah. really love. Yeah. And I was like, oh, we're spicy. And then I thought, I can't say I'm spicy because I don't have the Turkish bit. I've just got the Jewish and Irish. So I'm kind of pickled white, if anything. <laughs> I mean, it's certainly so there's been a lot of pushback on this article. I, I need to read the article itself, but I have seen the pushback. I saw Danny Wallace tweeting about it because it sort of, you know, basically describing my family was what he was saying, uh, Patrick Monaghan as well um and i picked out um i did just scan an article by uh keenan malik who i've read before i really enjoyed his pieces and i think at the end really the line at the end sort of summarizes well sorry there's the guardian begging letter it's very long these days isn't it anyway um uh, so i mean racism matters whiteness does not so he's trying to identify he's trying to address basically both um two sets of the uh uh, of the argument there, sort of the identity politics side of it, as well as what going off on the tangent that uh, yeah. Lionel Shriver has, you know. Because what she Good keeps thing. saying in it is that it's human nature to want to be with people who are the same as you. But she's yeah. only seeing that through the eyes of being white. And I am from two white parents but an immigrant and an Irish guy who lived through the no Irish period and I've grown up in Brixton so me hanging out with people who are like me is is not actually other white people most of the time I find I find a lot of the the white middle class mums and the school run relatively alienating from what I've grown up with um I like being with other mixed up sort of hodgepodge people so when she says we like being with people who are like us she is presuming all white people are like her but but that's mm. there's so much self-hatred in it as well she is an immigrant and also she is a woman who was named margaret who decided at the teenage years that she felt like a boy so she would call herself lionel and yet she's saying oh we don't want people to come here and change things we don't want people to integrate into society and start changing us as society and we're going but you you have defined who you are on your own. Why not let other people define who they are on their own, in their terms? Yeah. You know, and, and all I can say, say about immigration is, is my mother was a refugee and because England was lovely to her, she dedicated her, the whole of her life to public service. She worked for the local council for the whole of her life and absolutely loved England more than almost anybody I know because it looked after her. Yeah. So it's just really weird, this narrative of foreign-born parent. And also it's like foreign-born doesn't mean foreign-staying. So, for instance, my daughter, at one point, my daughter was the only girl in her class who didn't speak another language at home. Now, people like the Daily Mail have this, oh, they don't even speak English, they're in the schools. The schools teach in English. So basically, my daughter was the only child in her class who wasn't bilingual. My daughter was holding them back. She was actually the, the least educated child in that class because every other child spoke two languages at least. You know, it's a really odd narrative. 
So you've chosen another uh, tweet on um, on race, but it's a different issue. Point. Well, this is more about Boris, really. I felt, but I love the way that Nadine uh, Nadine phrased it. So that's come. It's come off um, this top tweet, hasn't it? Yeah, it has. But I chose this particular tweet because I love the phrasing, because there's a lot of dithering, um, especially after Dawn Butler, of, of how we should address what Boris Johnson has done. And, and if we mention that Boris Johnson has said that he doesn't like racism, should we always men also mention that he said that people should boo the knee? She's managed it in one sentence. She's managed to put the entire context of the statement in one sentence. Mr. Johnson, who has previously used racist language himself, has urged FIFA to take strong action. That's it. One sentence. No dithering about. No wondering how. Oh, should we frame it? Does should we make it seem like the prime minister is a liar? She's just said it in one sentence. There's the context. And um, Nadine's got a wonderful, very direct way of writing. She is the race correspondent for mm. the Independent, and I believe she's the first specialist race correspondent in the country. And there was a bit of a thing about why do people need a race correspondent? But what she does is she looks at a lot of issues that don't come up so she was uh, talking about the windrush scandal before anybody else i knew was talking about it um and she'll also take a, a black and ethnic minority view of big stories so for instance during the afghanistan crisis at the moment bringing refugees over she has found that some of the resources and budget for that have been taken away from the windrush people who are still being deported and still trying to get reparation and i love the way that nadine writes though nadine writes in a very straightforward way. She's able to get the, the, the whole flavor of the story over. You know, this, this, this one little tweet, Mr. Johnson has previously used racist language himself. There's always a little bit of a, a raised eyebrow mm -hmm. in her stories, the way she writes, um, which uh, she, was, she was trolled by a Tory MP recently uh, for just I, basically yeah. contacting her office and saying, can we have a statement, which is completely standard. Um, but yeah, I think because cool. of Nadine's slightly eyebrow-raised tone, mm. the woman read stuff into it that wasn't actually there. And the other thing I love about Nadine, she's from my area. She, she, she is very like the girls I grew up with. And every now and then she'll just start talking, in especially if she's angry, she'll start swearing in patois in the middle of her thread. And uh, a, a reggae artist died this week and she was, she was posting uh, uh, you know, clips yeah. of their music. Um, she is... Like I said before, like, like with the last story about wanting to be with people who I'm like, she is just like everybody I grew up with. So I like getting my news from Nadine. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've seen her on a couple of uh, uh, panels. I think I've seen her on Politics Live and Ian Dale's had her on, post, um, I can't remember which, he's done his show on LBC. Um, but oh. yeah, no. Um, I've not Matt, seen her panditing. Yeah, no, panditing's good, definitely. Um, uh, Martin's just pointed out the PM is foreign born, of course. He is, but he doesn't think so, you know, and I find people like Boris Johnson who looks at himself in the mirror and thinks this is what the superior race looks like. I mean, honestly, he's got the skin complexion of the thighs of a celebrity being shamed by Heat magazine. Like he is not, he just looks so gelatinous. Why would he ever look at himself and think this is the master race? He looks like a bunch of privately schooled elephants have played soggy biscuit on a tree stump like he's just there <laughs> oh he's just a troll and i don't the even think is, he's a hypocrite well you know the thing is oh, i don't know i mean there is there's always a place for those jokes but i also think that there's they actually have they can have a kind of you know a negative effect on the on you know boris bashing has a sort of what's the inverse reaction i think sometimes 
really. I mean, um, I don't know. I guess, but satirists. Oh yeah, I mean, we're never we've never been here to solve problems. We've been here to point problems out. Yeah. Um, and nobody has ever solved a problem with a joke. The the joke points at the problem, and then somebody somebody in the powers that be is meant to sort it out. Yeah. No, so you know, jokes are not meant to be taken as as manifesto pledges. No, quite important disclaimer. Job. Important disclaimer. No, totally. Now it would be, and we're sort of running out of time, but I think it might be a oh, shame to, okay. to well, yeah, it'd be a shame to miss out on uh, I think we've only got two to do, which is the, the Yes, we have only got two, and the next one's very short. Yeah. Um so whores of your <laughs> I really chose this for the account. I love the account. Um and I just looked through, you know, this is one of the more informative uh tweets that they've put out this week about a shop in the uh, 1700s which sold condoms. It's interesting as well, not that we've got time, but if you look at the actual advert, there's so much pride in the maker of condoms there. It's, it's you know, the, the, the skill uh, that, she that she makes them with. Well, um, I, don't, I don't mind running over. Let's just read the tweet. Um, this is a trade card from around 1780 that advertises the shop. Mrs. Windsor in Covent Garden, London. Mrs. Windsor sold condoms, known as machines and skins. Condoms then were made from animal guts and were designed to be washed and reused. Oh gosh, that reminds me, remember the British Museum there. Uh, that reminds, yeah, there, there is a documentary I saw years ago of a guy who served in the First World War, so it would have been quite a while ago. And uh, they, his condom that he took with him, this huge plastic thing was called Geronimo. And he said it had to be, basically washed out yeah yeah and and what's interesting about the skill um the, the pride that's on the little card is that mm. it's it's obviously from a time where having a condom was seen as something quite responsible and romantic to do um i'm i'm really interested in sex in a way that often people find a little bit sort of dirty and disturbing which which annoys me because i'm interested in it the same way that people are in, you know, if somebody was interested in food and read cookbooks and was interested in the history of food you wouldn't go oh you're fat glutton but because i'm interested in sex it's still thought to be a bit spurious and icky but you know I, I like the fact that all the stuff that we talk about now and that we worry about now has been around forever we we, we don't come from a place where um you know everybody was prudish and nobody had sex and suddenly cardi b has invented it you know we, we come from a time where people have been having sex and sorting themselves out for for hundreds of years and that's what this 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 is run by a sexual historian called kate lister who uh, also um, actively campaigns for safety for sex workers um, and, uh, and has won awards for doing so. And it's just a beautiful sexual history. It is very explicit if people are squeamish, but it just shows that everything, everything from now has always existed and, and sometimes in, in better forms. You know, I like the fact that in these days, condoms were respectable. There's, there's a big trend on TikTok at the moment for, um, <laughs> There's a song which says that uh, a guy would take his condom off if he likes you. You know, it's flattery. That's not flattery to get to get pregnant and diseased. It's not flattering. You know, I'm lucky that I was I, I was a teenager in the 80s. You know, we were like, you wear a condom or you die. And actually it gave us a lot of freedom because we knew we were safe. So we would go, let's go for it. Um, but yeah, <laughs> she, yeah she, she does in my mind. <laughs> Um, yeah, Horse of Yours sounds like a brilliant name for a role-playing game as well, to be fair. 
Well, she has got a big, a big bit at the beginning, a blog post, because she got a lot of complaints for calling it whores, because, of course, that is used as an insult um, and uh, sex workers like to be called sex workers now. Uh, but she's explained that because this is a historical uh, uh, Twitter thread, that it is the historical term that's kind of lasted from from way back from Saxon times, possibly before that. Um, and she does all kinds of things. She's got a, a thread called Historical Hottie, which I joined in today, where if you see a good looking man, it's always men from the past hundred years ago, you can uh, propose them as a historical hottie. And it's, 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 it's Tim quite Martin. Tim Martin. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think he's historical enough. They usually have to be dead. And not always. I find there's one thing, sometimes people propose their dads, and I always find that a bit weird. But um, then that, my dad wasn't hot, so maybe that's why I find it weird. Didn't we just have a TV show called Horse? Wasn't there a drama series called... No, it's, do you mean Harlots? Yeah, oh, it was called Harlots. Didn't watch it. Didn't watch it. Sorry, it was uh, wonderful. Was and it, it was co-written by sex workers as well. So it had a lot of, like, very, very, uh, very in-depth research. If that's the yeah. term, yes. I guess it's the rhyming... So the horse of yours is sort of, you know, part of the expression yeah. trips off the tongue. But I don't know whether you could get hot. I don't know, marmosets for harlots. I don't know. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm two sandwiches down here. Wait, <laughs> how are we doing? We, now, was this... We've only got one more. This one, isn't it? It's your... No, because that's me. Oh, right. You can show that because that's my I'm day. I'm going to definitely go no, the other way. It. Is this way? Yeah, there it is. Oh, cool. Silly me. Today, so it's head dancing. Now, does this come out every day? Every day at five o'clock, it says that today is not Ted Danson's birthday, apart from on Ted Danson's birthday, when it says today is Ted Danson's birthday, um, which I don't remember when that is. I think it's sometime in December. Yeah, I think it's it is ridiculous and stupid, and I cannot unfollow it because there's something about it which... My timeline is all death and destruction and gloom and arguments, and then suddenly in the middle of it, it'll say, today is not Ted Danson's birthday. <laughs> And it'll make me laugh and it'll make me stop and it'll make me smile. And it's just a way of going, okay, let's let's just slow down here. It's almost like, you know, when you Google Maps, when it goes off and you have to click recenter. This is my recentering tweet. I think I it go just... out enough to use that. <laughs> oh, I see what you mean. It's your reset tweet. Yes, totally. It's, it's my recenter. Yeah. It's, it's like my om. It's just, it's a little bit of silliness which Ted Danson's been interviewed by about it. He is baffled. There's also something quite good. It comes out at five o'clock every day. So it's also quite a good sort of, oh, I'm on Twitter at five o'clock. I need to finish my deadline thing about it. You know, in the old days when Groupon emails would come in the middle of the night and their main purpose <laughs> would tell you to go to bed. You go, oh my God, my Groupon emails arrived. I'm still awake. I five o'clock. No, I missed out. Oh God, it's the Ted Danson tweet. This yeah. means that I need to switch off Twitter because it's five o'clock and I haven't done my deadline yet. It does remind me a little bit. Um, there was a guy called Phil Mann who lives in uh, America now, but he was an, in, uh, I've forgotten what improv troupe he ran, um, but uh, it's quite a good one. All the guys that involved have gone on to really good things. But he would post on Facebook every, almost every day, thanks for all the birthday wishes, like almost <laughs> every day. And obviously it did that for years and he actually took, you know, it still fooled people years later. I mean, it pissed a lot of people off as well, but I mean, that's that's also the good, I think. But well, what's lovely if you, if you scroll down, loads of people put very disappointed faces of um, there's there's somewhere he's looking really disappointed or oh, that's saying when oh we can't find it. Then there were ones. There was a guy throwing a throwing a uh, yeah that one this throwing one. a 
birthday cake into the bin because it's not Ted Tanson's <laughs> birthday and people looking very upset. That looks, is that, um, oh, I know. I don't know, but I can never, I can't unfollow it. I pretty much always retweet it as well because it is, for me, it is almost just a, like a stop. Battle Axe. That's the improv group. God, Marty, he's just, he's <laughs> Martin a mine of information, Battle Axe. And there's, um, I can't remember, there's uh, one of the um, women in it has been on Mash Report and all the rest of it's done very well. Anyway, um, so listen, very helpfully, usually at this point I say to people, where can people see you next, Meryl? Well, <laughs> guess what? You've found a tweet about it. My, my, well, because I'm right in the middle of a promo cycle. Um, but Huddersfield has had to be cancelled because we couldn't sell enough tickets by now. I mean, that's the thing. You're never sure if everybody's going to turn up on the night. That's what people tend to do these days. So please, if you are thinking of coming to any of the shows, please do book tickets in advance because venues like to know like a week ahead. Um, so Kings Cross 2 North Downs going ahead on the 17th. On the 20th, I'm in Brighton at the Caroline of Brunswick uh, with a double bill with Radu Isaac. And then I've got a Zoom gig on the 23rd of September for people who are not in London or Brighton. And yeah, that's me. Um, I'm warming up my solo show, Vanilla, because it's being filmed by Next Up, which I'm very, very excited oh, about. Oh, that's lovely, yeah. It is lovely, but it's it's a show about modern culture, and we've had to keep delaying the taping. So every time we delay it another few months, I have to rewrite it, because yeah. all the things I've written about are completely out of date. Yeah, modern culture moves pretty fast, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, are you the last person in, on Earth left doing Zoom gigs? Or... Possibly. I find it useful that um, like the last Zoom gig I did, I had people from Northern Ireland, Delhi, uh, Houston. So it's quite useful as it doesn't exclude anybody apart from uh, deaf, my deaf friends, because um, I haven't managed to get the funds to get BSL yet, but I'm trying to caption my. So well, actually, the next up taping when it goes on the next up site it will be captioned at last so i feel really bad because i've got a couple of deaf friends who uh, tell me off is zoom just is zoom does that no do they not have a facility for that no they've got no. um captions which you have to hire somebody to type but that's quite oh. expensive oh. Uh, so usually yeah when i was teaching i was going to end up paying more to the person typing the captions than i was actually getting for the teaching but uh because yeah. The, the next the next up filming the next up uh, version is going to be captioned when it's on the when it's on their uh, streaming platform so yeah that's right i can rest yeah. easy a little bit yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, totally yeah um okay um yeah that's brilliant because i was just thinking that youtube don't they automatically caption things or at least maybe yeah, but that's auto caps event. yeah so it's often wrong especially yeah. if you're saying anything unexpected yeah. I mean, no, when I'm true. talking about the flaps and wanking and stuff, I'm not sure whether AutoCats can handle all that. It usually comes up with some kind of place name when it's when it can't think of anything. It comes up with like <laughs> a random capital city or something like that. Yeah, doing a whole show about flapjacks. <laughs> um, well, that was great. Um, that was brilliant. We haven't yeah, we run over too much. We had that little slight, slight panic at the start, but I have to That's say fine. after that, it's been yeah. totally fine, uh, which is great. Um, and I've actually quite enjoyed the format so i must remember that for next week i haven't been as distracted by seeing me on the two on the down box as it were i've got two of account. you i can see two pictures oh of that is the uh, that is the other account that needs to be there because of the screen share that's what it is that's all right but yeah so thank you very much and uh, so you. much for that and uh, just hang back when i stop the stream so that we can just say a proper goodbye 
Um, okay. Your no Twitter handle. Then. What's that? No hugging. No hugging, of course, or hand or handshaking. <laughs> um, obviously, people can follow you at, at Merrill O'Rourke, and that yeah. uh, Twitter handle has been uh, on a little ticker. On the mm -hmm. Leave out the apostrophe because Twitter is anti-Irish. Yes, they, they don't like the apostrophe, do they? And uh, hello, and cheers, Martin. Thanks again. Thank you, Martin. Um, <laughs> And we'll be putting this out, uh, well, uh, as soon as we finished, I'll be sort of typing in the description so that it can go out on Facebook Live with a proper description, also YouTube, where it's streaming to now. We'll be doing a podcast version as well and uh, cutting some clips. Um, so thanks very much for watching. Um, I think I've already mentioned that next week, uh, hopefully you've got Sid Singh joining us and I'll, I'll definitely sort of confirm that as well. Um, so I guess all that remains to do is to, for both of us to wave the streamers. Thank you and good night. Thank you. Cheers, guys. Take Bye. care. We hope you enjoyed listening to the show. Please do check out the other podcasts in the series. If you go to our website, www.letskilltwitter.com, you'll find all our previous shows listed and you can find links to the YouTube versions as well as audio files. If you'd like to support our work, you can do via buymeacoffee.com. If you go to their website, you'll find a Let's Kill Twitter page set up for donations. But anything you can do is much appreciated. A like, a follow, a recommendation to a friend, it all counts. Once again, thanks for listening. We hope to be in your ears again very soon.